Hello and welcome to the Soul Medicine Podcast. I am your host, Liz Nerland, and it is my mission to unite the healing arts and modern scientific understanding to bring you practices that will revolutionize your life. I bring you soulful meditations, love notes, visualizations, insights, interviews, and workshop recordings to uplift, inspire, and lead you through your own personal metamorphosis. Let's dive in. In today's episode, I share a recording of a workshop I led teaching you how yoga can be practiced to relieve stress. When you know what state your nervous system is in, then you can specifically start to understand how to practice, how to breathe, move, chant, meditate in a way that creates balance. Enjoy. So inner mastery, practicing yoga to regulate your stress response. Over the course of the next hour or so, we are going to look at how you can use your yoga practice to help you reclaim your energy, refortify your body, improve your key relationships, support your mental health, and cultivate clarity in your life. So... This concept of burnout, of stress regulation with yoga is really important to me because yoga has saved me from two pretty full on burnouts. So the first is actually how I found yoga. Um, So I put myself through university primarily on academic and sports scholarships. And in five years, I earned two degrees with honors while also fulfilling a leadership role on a highly competitive university hockey team. Sounds great on paper, but the truth is that in that last year, I developed a severe pneumonia that was not responsive to antibiotics. I had partially torn ligaments in my shoulder and in my knees, and I didn't have my period for two years. Now, our cycles as women is considered the fifth vital sign. So honestly, my body was like just deteriorating. Um, Nothing was helping. I kept going to my doctor, trying all these different rounds of antibiotics, all these different things. Nothing was helping. And finally, very reluctantly, because I was trained to be very uh, cautious about alternative healing modalities because nothing else was working. I reluctantly turned towards alternative healing and it changed my life. So I started seeing a naturopath. I changed my diet. I moved to a primarily plant-based diet um, and I found yoga. And so After university, I was living this completely different life. I call it this like love and light lifestyle. And it worked. Like I was feeling amazing and my body completely healed itself. Um, However, it required me to dedicate huge portions of my day to my wellness practices. I was spending hours and hours in yoga and meditation and preparing nourishing meals for myself. So it was great while it lasted. But what happened was in 2011, I became a mother. I gave birth to my son, Jackson. And almost exactly two years later, we welcomed twin girls, which was quite a surprise that we were having twins. With the rapid expansion of our family, I faced another burnout and I was totally living in survival for the first few months of my twin's life. I was not sleeping and things again started falling apart. And initially I didn't know how to deal with it because going to a 90 minute yoga class and then whipping up you know, a green juice and sitting in meditation for an hour was not an option. So I was forced to get crystal clear on which practices really worked, 
what could I do in a short amount of time to get a great impact? So I really refined my practice and it looked completely different than it did before I had kids. Um, but over time with this consistent practice, everything began to heal. So everything inside of me, but also around me, my relationships and my whole outlook on life started to heal again. I just want to be clear, this is not a quick fix. It is the cumulative effect of showing up intentionally day after day, even if it was only 10 minutes. Um, but I knew these simple practices worked. So you just have to keep showing up for them. And I still do. So this is not like, let's just fix something and then move on with our lives. This is actually something to integrate into your life if you want these sort of results. So this practice works as long as you keep showing up for it, especially when it's inconvenient and when you feel like you don't have the time or energy for it. Now imagine if you felt strong, healthy, confident, sexy, energized, and assertive. What if you felt more patient and present and compassionate in your relationships? What if you enjoyed improved mental health, less anxiety, less depression, more resilience? And what if you felt worthy of showing up for? Now, you might be thinking, yeah, yeah, this sounds great, but like, I really don't have time or I don't have money to invest in myself or I just don't have the energy or maybe you're thinking it won't work for you, or you might already be moving into that excuse of, well, I can't get into a yoga studio and online yoga doesn't work for me. Or maybe you're someone who thinks, I don't see how stretching can change anything in my life. Um, these are very, very common concerns that come up. And we're gonna address all of those concerns throughout this uh, workshop. Now, the thing is, this practice will give you time. It will give you energy. It doesn't have to cost a lot and it is going to require you to step outside of your comfort zone and to do things that you might think, mm, that's not for me. Because if you keep doing, what you've been doing, you will keep getting what you've got. So if you want something to change, you're going to have to do something differently. So who is this training for? Let's get clear. This is for people who want to transform chaos into peace, exhaustion into vitality, fogginess into clarity. It's for people who really are committed to improving their physical and mental health, people who want to sleep better, people who know they need more nourishment in their life, but they're not quite sure where to start or how to get it. This is for people who want to remember and really feel that inner spark and bring it back to the forefront of their lives. This is for people who want to be more present and patient in their relationships and people that want more ease and joy in celebration in their lives. It's for people who are ready to actually take action to do something differently to make this happen. This is not for you. If you're looking for some quick fix or magic bullet, turn off the training. I can't give you that. And to be honest, nobody can. So a long-term sustaining change in your life is not gonna be a super quick fix magic bullet. I wouldn't trust anyone who promises you that. Uh, it's not for you if you are not ready to take action, if you are committed to the excuses that you have been using so far, if you still believe that those are true and nothing else is possible, again, I can't help you. You have to be ready to move beyond your excuses, to try something new, to do something you might not think is quite your thing or that you don't quite have time for. Um, you need to be ready to take action or I cannot help you. Um, it's not for people who want to blame how they're feeling on someone or something else. And again, it's not for you if you're not willing to try something new and to get out of your comfort zone at least a little bit. 
Every day brings a choice to practice stress or to practice peace. Now this uh, program that I'm sharing with you right now is gonna show you how you can practice peace. So here's what we're gonna cover. Part one, we are gonna look at the physiology of the nervous system to understand why we feel stuck, exhausted, frustrated, distracted, foggy, and uninspired. What's going on inside of us that makes us feel that way? Then we're gonna look at what it costs us to live like this. Then we're gonna look at how yoga practice can help us shift from that biology of stress and survival into a, biolo <laughs> a biological state of creation and connection. And part four, we are gonna look at what becomes possible when we master our inner world and live from the biology of creation and connection. Are you ready? So are you ready to step into possibility? Are you ready to try something new? Are you ready to prioritize yourself so you can show up more fully in your life? Are you ready to change your energy, your body, relationships, and mental health for the better? If you are, come with me. So part one, why we feel stuck, exhausted, frustrated, distracted, foggy, uninspired from the lens of the nervous system. So let's have a quick peek at what is going on in our lives. So most of us are living these modern lives in which our stressors don't turn off. So we've got these amazing electrical lights that allow us to live beyond the rhythms of nature, which grants us increased productivity, but it is costing us our natural rest cycles. So this used to be built into life. You had to rest because you couldn't keep creating. It was too dark. We don't live like that anymore, but our nervous system still is wired for that built-in rest. Also with the advances in technology, we can be accessed literally almost anywhere in the world at any time of day. So there's no more leaving work and stress at the office. It's in our homes, it's in our beds, it's even with us on the beach during our vacations. And we live in a society that defines success primarily by outward accomplishments and wealth. So the healing arts and even just basic wellness practices are either ignored or they're just not known, right? People don't know how to best take care of themselves because it's not taught. We are collectively living as materialists. We are conditioned culturally to be materialist based. And this causes us to kind of forget or be ignorant of our energetic divine nature. And when we are cut off from source, our minds and bodies suffer. And then of course, we also have social media that has us constantly comparing ourselves to unrealistic ideals. So we're comparing our everyday life to someone else's highlight reel. And it is leaving us feeling inadequate and frustrated and depressed. And top it off with a pandemic. So what we're going through right now can be really, really hard on the nervous system. It can cause a lot of stress response in your body. With the restrictions that are put in place right now, around the world, people are facing job losses, business losses, financial insecurity, and big one, experiencing a lack of connection to other humans. As you'll see going forward, our nervous systems are meant to be in community. So it's, it is harder for sure to self-regulate without community. People are living in fear, fear of the virus, fear of the unknown, fear of losing freedoms, fear of losing income and businesses. And this fear will always trigger a stress response in the body. And as you'll see, as we go forward, fear is not wrong or bad in itself. It is an emotion that carries a message that we wanna know what's going on. We wanna open to that message. 
But when we live in a state of chronic fear, it becomes detrimental to our health and well being. We need to learn how we can actively shift our inner world so that we can take appropriate action and cultivate discernment in our outer world. So if we get totally lost in fear, it's not helpful. We just want to open to the message that it's carrying, regulate, come back to center and decide what action we're going to take. So let's look at what happens in our body under chronic stress. So the nervous system that we are living with is the same nervous system that we inherited from ancestors that lived hundreds, thousands of years ago. It evolved to keep them safe during acute threats, meaning short-term threats that they faced in their short, harsh lives in the wilderness. It was not designed to deal with the chronic stressors that we face today. So running, fighting, playing dead, these are no longer effective ways to deal with our lives. It is not effective to deal with work challenges or taxes or relationship issues by running or fighting or playing dead. So I'm going to use this uh, polyvagal theory. It's uh, developed by Stephen Porges. Uh, to help you understand what is happening in the body through stress. And so you'll see here, there's a green zone. This is called our ventral vagal state. Uh, this is a state of renewal primarily, and this is where we want to spend 80% of our time. So this is the green zone. It's cruisy. It's good. This is where we want to be. The yellow zone is like, oh, okay, stress is mounting. Something's going on fight or flight is activated and we become alert. We're ready to run, we're ready to fight, we're ready to take action. So as stress or arousal starts to increase, we move out of that green into kind of that yellow phase of taking action. Now, if you have a really long sustained stress level or if um, something so traumatic, so stressful happens, you can actually get pushed into this red zone. As you can probably tell, red zone is not where we want to be. This is called the dorsal vagal state, and this is our freeze response. And what happens when we get pushed into the red zone is that we are facing a stress that seems so massive, so insurmountable, that we're like, you know what? best chance we have at surviving is to play dead. We can't get away. We can't fight this off. Maybe if we freeze, if we play dead, it will pass. That's our only hope. So I'm gonna look at each one of these individually, but just keep this in your mind. If there's this green zone, yes, we wanna be there. There's this yellow zone, like, oh, things are getting intense. And then there's the red zone. That's just like, okay we're hopeless so green zone again this is called the ventral vagal state this is our state of safety and social engagement so when our nervous system is in this social engagement state this ventral vagal state uh, we're feeling safe we're feeling connected um, so again, this is where we want to spend 80% of our time when we are under ventral vagal dominance. We're in a state of renewal and creation, curiosity and connection. So this is where we can really be present and creative, restful, engaged, compassionate and understanding. Uh, when we are in this state, oxytocin increases and our ability to relate to others and connect with others increases and our defensive responses decrease. So this is the place where we're really gonna find deep renewal. 
Now, as arousal increases, we start to bring this fight or flight mode online. So this is the sympathetic nervous system activation. This is like hyper arousal, there's danger. Uh, we need to be alert. And so this yellow zone, this fight or flight state is designed to mobilize energy quickly so that we can mount a quick and powerful response to an immediate threat. Um, it is incredibly effective and helpful when we need to get out of the way of a moving bus or deal with a cougar that's crossed our path, or, you know, even it comes online a little bit in the morning to get us up and get us going. Um, when we sustain this mode of operation for long periods of time, this is where there's a problem. This is when we start to break down physically and mentally so when we are in this state of fight or flight all of our resources become focused on survival adrenaline and cortisol flood the body your heart rate goes up blood pressure goes up your breathing is going to get quicker but it's more shallow and all of a sudden your attention is going to be on high alert so the higher centers of your brain um, that are involved in really like rational thought and creative thought and empathy and connection those higher centers that like neocortex it starts to go offline and you're going to start operating really reflexively from more animalistic parts of your brain and this makes sense because if you're actually in a dangerous state it's not a good time to sit sit down and, and talk over your problems and relax and have a cup of tea, right? If you're being chased by a cougar, that's not a good time to meditate. Um, you need to be reflexive. You need to act before even thinking about it. That's what's going on physiologically when you're in this fight or flight state. You need to be ruled by more primitive and fast acting parts of the brain. So you're gonna start reacting through really unconscious programming. You don't have time to waste thinking about the best reaction. Um, over a sustained period, this fight or flight state is gonna to start to inhibit your immune response, slow your digestion and inhibit your ability to relate. So ideally the survival um, mode is short-lived liberating us from threats and then we want to come back into that ventral vagal state so move back from that yellow back down into that green now dorsal vagal tone this is a stress level where it's life-threatening or i should say it is perceived as life-threatening so whatever threat we encounter is so big that our best hope of survival is to freeze is to shut down and our entire system closes it just everything starts to shut down so this is actually increased parasympathetic nervous tone but it's very extreme you start to dissociate you start to numb out you start to feel depressed um you're going to feel hopeless trapped ashamed numb helpless sometimes when we've operated in fight or flight for too long the body starts to decompensate and that can push us into this dorsal vagal state um, or it could just be one thing that happens that's really traumatic that can push us into the state so we become literally immobilized with fear and endorphins are going to flood our body now endorphins you're like oh that's good we're going to feel good you're going to get endorphins flooding your body not to make you feel a runner's high but instead to make you feel totally numb because they're like we might die here i don't want to feel it um you're going to get such a dump of endorphins that you actually feel numb and dissociated from the environment around you heart rate blood pressure drop muscle tone and facial expression drop you're going to start to breathe really shallow and really slowly uh, you would have no sex drive and your immune response is inhibited. So 
ideally we do not hang out in this zone unless we're actually doing so to survive. Like if you're playing dead because a grizzly is attacking you, um, getting stuck in this mode is going to feel dark and depressing and hopeless. Now, the good news is that even though it will feel hopeless, it's not. We can shift our states. So with that kind of theoretical background, let's look at how chronic stress is manifesting in modern life. So living in a state of chronic stress is gonna lead you to feel exhausted because all of your energy is constantly mobilized to prepare you to fight or run. So even if you're not moving, you're gonna feel like, why don't I have energy? It, everything's mobilized. You have to have everything mobilized. You're also not gonna sleep well because your brain and body are gonna be on high alert trying to like make sure everything is safe your attention is going to be all on your outward environment it makes it really hard to shut off if you aren't feeling safe physiologically you're going to feel distracted and foggy so our awareness again it's directed at survival so even if your life is not threatened your physiology when you hit that stress stress response your body is like my survival's threatened. And so those higher centers in your brain are gonna go offline. You're gonna be acting from more primitive parts of your brain. And what that means is you're literally gonna become incapable of focusing beyond the immediate environment. Um, these primitive parts of the brain are gonna run the show and make it really hard to do any effective planning to remember things, to prioritize, or to create a vision for your life. You're gonna to start to feel uninspired or this like stuck in a rut feeling because when you're under the hormones of stress, it is not a time to get creative and exploratory. Again, you're like, I just need to survive and you're going to want to do things that are familiar and predictable. Even if you don't like doing them that much, there is gonna be a really strong aversion to trying something adventurous or exploring new areas of your life or even traveling. Like you're just not going to feel inclined to do those things when you are in a state of stress. Um, you're going to feel more frustrated and resentful. So you're going to have this huge surge of adrenaline that is going to leave you feeling irritable and on edge. And your defense mechanisms are going to be heightened. Your brain is going to constantly be scanning the environment, looking for threats. And I'm sorry to say, unfortunately, it usually lands on the people we care about the most and we start noticing everything they're not doing right and obsessing over these things. Like if they just changed that, I would be okay. Um, it's not you, it's your stress response, but that's what's going to happen. Uh, you're gonna feel anxious. So you got all this energy mobilized to run or to fight, and yet you're sitting there, not moving and you just got all this fuel pumping through your body and it's like, um, so you're gonna have this energy, this intense energy that you're holding. And if you're not actually expelling that energy, it's gonna manifest as anxiety. Um, if you stay in this stressful state too long, or if again, the threat is really huge, you're gonna start to feel depressed. Um, you're going to go into that freeze mode, you're going to feel hopeless, and you're going to feel ashamed. And you might weave back and forth between a bit of anxiety into depression, back to anxiety, back to depression. So we have to learn how to work with those energies to shift them. And you're probably going to feel a little bit unwell. Um, so your immune system is going to get put on the back burner because you're mobilizing all your energy for survival. 
when you are just trying to survive, things like scavenging free radicals in your body and removing precancerous cells, those are not a high priority because your only focus um, is on immediate survival. So you will be more susceptible to disease, you're gonna become more susceptible to infection, and just the general renewal processes are not gonna be happening in your body. Reminder, to be well is not to live in this perpetual state of safety and calm, but to move fluidly from a state of adversity and risk and adventure and excitement back to that state of safety and calm and out again. Stress is not bad for you. Being stuck is bad for you. This is Emily and Amelia Nagoski, their sisters that wrote a book called Burnout. Um, so this is that reminder, like we're not looking at a stress-free life. You don't have to live this boring insular life. We just have to know how to return our inner world to a state of renewal. So let's look at what it's costing us to be stuck in a state of chronic stress. It is gonna cost you your joy, your peace, your fulfillment. It will cost you sleep. It's gonna cost you your mental health. You're gonna be feeling anxious. You're gonna be feeling depressed. It will cost you your physical health in the long run. It will compromise your relationships because you will not be physiologically in a state where you can truly connect and listen and have compassion. Um, it's gonna cost you your presence. You're going to miss out on moments of your life that matter the most because you're gonna feel numb or you're gonna feel distracted. And it's gonna cost you your free will as well because you'll have willpower, you'll have all this energy to try and force things through, but it's gonna cost you the ability to choose how you want to respond in a moment because you're just going to be responding reflexively, animalistically, without thought. Um, so if you want free will, if you want the ability to choose who you're going to be, you have to start being able to move yourself out of states of chronic stress. So under the hormones of stress, biologically, you cannot think clearly and creatively, you can't dream up or hold a vision or prioritize effectively towards your goals. You're not gonna be present or patient in your relationships. You're not gonna be able to sustain or nourish physical and mental health. You're not gonna be able to relax, to renew or to rest deeply. So thinking clearly, being present, connecting to others, feeling well physically and mentally, and deep rest become nearly impossible because on a cellular level, you are primed to function in ways that are not coherent with these tasks. Now, there's this whole field of science emerging called two-person neuroscience. And what it is showing is that whatever is going on in your inner world will impact the people around you. Your inner world will be absorbed by those who you share space with, your children, your colleagues, your friends, everyone. We unconsciously mirror the facial expressions of those we are talking to and we internalize the emotions that go along with those expressions. And what that means is we chemically experience those emotions in our own brains and bodies. So if you are speaking to someone who is really angry, you will start to mirror their face and you will start to create molecules of anger in your own body, right? Same with hopelessness, depression, same with excitement and love and gratitude. So whatever you are carrying, it will spread. 
another quote from Emily and Amelia Nagoski, we walk around co-regulating one another all the time, synchronizing without trying, without even necessarily being aware that it's happening. Your internal state is profoundly contagious and it is profoundly susceptible to catching the internal states of the people around you. This mutual co-regulation begins from the earliest moments of our lives and it shapes our brains. So you are not crazy or ungrateful for feeling exhausted or frustrated or uninspired, overwhelmed, underwhelmed, anxious, depressed, or distracted. It is not you. It is your stress response. And with awareness and practice, you have the power to change your stress response. Because when you are living in chronic stress, you're living in a state that physiologically wires you to think and feel in certain ways. And when we get stuck there, it can cost us everything. So let's look at how to get unstuck and how to make sure we don't get stuck going forward. So how can we shift from survival to creation? How can yoga support us in restoring this ventral vagal tone or bringing us back into that green zone of renewal? Quote from Timber Hawkeye, you can't calm the storm, so stop trying. What you can do is calm yourself. The storm will pass. So we have to let go of this idea that we're going to control everything around us to make us feel okay. And we're going to learn how to feel okay, regardless of all the stuff around us. So again, the nervous system evolved to support us in situations of acute stress. But ideally, once that short-lived stress has been lifted or removed from our lives, we would come back into that ventral vagal tone, that green um, place that we were looking at on the diagram. So we would come back to that place of creation, connection, renewal, rest, and digestion. Under chronic stress, we don't return to the state, and that leads to burnout. We're habitually running on hormones of survival, depleting our energy stores, and breaking down our bodies and relationships. Now, luckily, there's a few very simple ways that we can hack into our nervous system and consciously change that physiology. So two core concepts we're gonna look at today include stimulating the vagus nerve and completing the stress cycle. So the vagus nerve is cranial nerve 10 and it connects the brain to every major organ in the body. We've got two kinds of pathways running through this nerve. So we have the afferent pathways which carry sensory information from the body to the central nervous system. So going from the body to the brain, to the spinal cord. The efferent pathways carry motor information from the brain and spinal cord, so from the central nervous system out towards the body. And so this is gonna send information to regulate your heart rate, your breathing rate, digestion, and other things. Now we can tap into the inner workings of our nervous system by changing the patterns of information that are being sent from the body to the brain. So if you're in a stressful state and your breathing starts to naturally get shallower and faster, that's because the brain is perceiving a threat and it's sending information to the lungs to say like, breathe more rapidly. It's gonna change the way the diaphragm's moving. But if we consciously change the way that we're breathing in the stressful state, we're gonna send information back up to the brain and say, actually, I'm okay, I'm all right. That's not a real stress. That was just me thinking about my taxes <laughs> or whatever it was, right? We're not gonna die, we're safe. Um, also, we can engage in practices that focus the brain so that we change the information being sent to the body. 
you find your mind wandering to things that bring on stress, we have practices to focus the mind so that you're changing the information being sent to your body. So it's important to recognize that stress, the stress response in our body is not necessarily being initiated by some real threats. We respond to how we perceive the world and we respond to thoughts that we have that might or might not even be true. So it's really important, this piece that we can focus the brain and change the, the perception and the information that we're inputting into the system. In addition to stimulating the vagus nerve, we need to learn to complete the stress cycle. So there is a difference between dealing with the stressor, so a thing that's causing a stress, and then dealing with our stress. So dealing with how we're responding to the thing that's causing the stress. So when we face a stressor and the body's primed to jump into action, but instead we just sit still and repress or hold in what wants to be expressed, we begin to internalize and hold that expression in our tissues. So physiologically, what's happening is there's this stressor and our body is like, ah, and we wanna run and we wanna scream and we wanna discharge this energy, but for social niceties, for safety, for other reasons, instead of doing what our body is being primed to do, we lock down our feelings, we lock down those expressions, and we internalize the charge that we're feeling. So now, even if the stressor goes away, the stress is kept alive in our bodies. So if we never clear this charge, we will continue to carry it, and it keeps us stuck in a state of stress. So just like how you see animals shake and vomit after escaping a serious threat, we need to find ways to clear the charge from the stress so that we can return to a state of true rest and harmony. So we can come back to that green zone, that ventral vagal tone. What comes out of us cannot hurt us. It's what we hold in that can. The opposite of depression is expression. So these are two quotes from Dr. Edith Eager. She is a psychologist and also a concentration camp survivor. So it's time to reset. We need to learn to discharge the stress that we have absorbed and internalized. And we must learn how to communicate states of safety to our brain and body so that we can consciously move into ventral vagal dominance at will. So how does yoga fit in? Yoga is a practice that supports the regulation of the nervous system in so many ways. Um, the action that's gonna be required to restore balance depends whether you're in that yellow zone of fight or flight or if you're in that red zone of freeze. Um, so the actual practice you're gonna do is gonna look different depending on what you need. In either case, the goal is gonna be to move out of a dysregulated state and return to that state of renewal, that ventral vagal state. So moving out of flight or <laughs> fight or flight mode. So when we're in this fight or flight state, our nervous system is primed for action. Uh, to come out of this mode, we need to send signals to the brain that we are safe, that it's okay to calm down, to come down, to rest, digest, heal, repair, create, connect. And so we're gonna look at yoga practice, practices that can help us do that. And that includes breathing techniques, mantra, movements um, and meditation. So let's look at breathing first. So the vagus nerve has numerous nerve endings in the base of the lungs. 
And when we breathe in such a way that we expand the low rib cage in all directions, so the not just the front ribs, but the side ribs and the back ribs start to expand and move, we start to increase vagal tone. So remember in stress, you're gonna breathe really shallow. So we want to expand the inhales um, to send a message that we're safe. Now, when the exhales are long and slow and complete, we also increase vagal tone. So we are telling the brain we are safe. We're okay. We're not in danger. Just by expanding the inhales and then long, slow exhales. Yo has many breathing techniques that support us in self-regulating during and after stressful situations. So ujjayi breath, this is that ocean breathing, creating a slight constriction in the back of the throat, automatically starts to increase resistance to the breath, which is gonna slow it down. So it's the same movement as if you were fogging a mirror, but with practice, the air comes in and out through the nose with that constriction, and you'll hear that sort of ocean sound. So breathing in that way will calm the nervous system. Brahmari breathing is the black bumblebee breath, and it's simply a humming exhale. Again, automatically it's going to lengthen the exhale and change the patterns of information going to the brain <clears throat> shittali breathing is when you make like a tube shape with your tongue breathe in through that straw-like tongue and then breathe out through the nose very cooling breath and then the four seven eight breathing can totally be adapted. I just find four, seven, eight works well for most people. It's an inhale for the count of four, hold the breath in for the count of seven, exhale for the count of eight. And this is a really effective breath if you are having trouble falling asleep or staying asleep at night. The key piece in this breath is that the exhale is always twice as long as the inhale. If you're pregnant, you're not going to retain the breath, or if you um, suffer with anxiety, you might find the breath retention of seven way too long, and you might start with just one, holding it in for maybe one, and then breathing out and just progress from there. Mantra. So mantra or a chanting practice also works very quickly and very effectively to support us in moving out of this fight or flight state. So anytime we add sound into our breathing, it's a form of resistance breathing that naturally will lengthen the exhale and increase vagal tone. Um, low, steady, soothing sounds stimulate vagal nerve receptors in the inner ear um, so again sending those messages of safety to the brain so that would be like ooh, ah, these kind of low steady sounds higher pitch sounds you might want to experiment with but typically they give you a more energizing sort of feeling like this like <laughs> is maybe not going to calm your nervous system. So it's these low sounds. Also, the yoga mantras are typically chanted in Sanskrit, which is a vibrational language, and it's said to restore the body and mind. These mantras carry messages that help refocus the brain. So it draws the mind back into the moment instead of letting it run free and react wildly. So mantras can help bring us back to truth in the messages that they carry. Some of the mantras remind us of the cyclic nature of life. So how death gives birth or gives rise to this rebirth. 
Others remind us to call on something greater than ourselves and bring us back into a divine remembrance of our true nature. So it doesn't have to be a Sanskrit mantra. Um, if there's something more aligned with your religion, you can do that. Whether you are praying out loud or singing a song from your own spiritual understanding, these things will help to restore your um, your nervous system. Movement. So when most people think of yoga, they only think of the movement. And actually, the movement is such a small piece of what yoga really is. Um, so for people who are like, I don't know how stretching is going to help me. <laughs> stretching alone is not going to help you. Practicing with intention and sound and breath and movement as one piece, that's what's going to help you the most. So let's look at movements and completing the stress cycle. So yoga asana, asana is the movement or the pose, helps us to release the stressful charges that we internalize during the day. So we start to open the body in new ways and release the tension and holding patterns we've been carrying in order to repress inappropriate responses. Um, it also affects the endocrine system and can increase endorphins. So even in the photo here, you'll see for someone sitting at a desk all day, this Ustrasana camel pose would start to move the body literally in the opposite direction that it probably has been all day. So you're going to unlock some of those holding patterns in the body. Um, also, our practice gives us an opportunity for this like cathartic release. So many movements, often combined with sound, give us the opportunity to get messy and vocal and a little bit wild so we can literally clear out the stagnant, destructive energy we're holding. So again, think of that animal after the predator has left or it's evaded the predator and it shakes and it moves and it makes a sound or it throws up there's like this release we need that in some form and the movement portion of yoga gives us that balancing postures are great for bringing our awareness back into the present moment it's hard to stew over something when you are standing on one foot and focusing on something else is going to cause you to fall on your face um, inversions, so any time when the heart is raised above the head is considered an inversion. And in our, when we get upside down, so something like even downward dog, or if you do kind of like more strong inversions, like shoulder stand, legs up the wall with the pelvis on a bolster, um, handstand, anything like that, it actually has a calming effect on the nervous system system it increases ventral vagal tone and it increases heart rate variability which is a measure of the resilience of your nervous system so in my own personal practice inversions every single day no matter what i find them so restorative and then meditation and yoga nidra so Seated meditation can be really challenging when you're in that fight or flight state, um, but it is really good for recentering and coming back into the moment and back to what matters most. But for most people, I recommend if you're in that triggered place of fight or flight, move your body first. Even if it's not a yoga practice, maybe you go for a run, hit a punching bag, whatever you've got to do to like meet that charge and dissipate it, and then come to your seated meditation. Um, one of the most effective meditation processes in this fight or flight state is moving from a convergent focus to divergent. So you're gonna start by drawing awareness into this moment, into what you feel in your body at that time and then starting to expand your awareness beyond your body so in a stressful state all of your attention is on immediate survival so what we want to do with this kind of meditation is expand your awareness and as you refocus the brain to expand your awareness again you're going to um 
you're going to shift the patterns of information that are going from the brain to the body. You're going to be able to send the message of safety. All right, so that was kind of in a nutshell looking at how to come out of that activated fight or flight state. Now, if you're in more of a freeze mode, you find that you're in a state of helplessness, hopelessness, depression, shame, um, your practice is gonna look different. Um, so instead of coming out of this activated state where we wanna calm everything, when you're in freeze mode, we actually wanna focus on practices that amplify the life force and get us moving and feeling again. So the goal is to transform feelings of immobilization, numbness, and hopelessness. So in the picture here, you'll see there's a cat carrying a mouse, and that is exactly what happens in our body. Often cats play with mice, and the mouse will play dead, and as soon as the cat leaves it, it will hop up and it will run away. Um, it's in this dorsal vagal tone everything is shut down it knows its best chance of survival is to play dead as soon as it starts moving again the cat's going to pursue it breathing so breath work if you are feeling hopeless depressed or numb you would want to avoid those calming breaths that we just talked about instead you want to find more active fiery breaths to help you self-regulate. So actually the ujjayi breath is a warming breath that works to help calm the nervous system, but it could also be supportive in this uh, dorsal vagal state. But even more so would be things like breath of fire where you're pumping the belly and breathing really short through the nose, building some heat. Uh, adrenal twists where you're inhaling one direction, exhaling the other, but quite fast. So it's almost like a breath of fire with movement. Something like that. Um, Bastrika is a very strong uh, breathing practice. So is this Tumo breathing. Um, I'm not going to demo it on here, um, but it is something I can offer on my platform if people want them there are contraindications so there are certain people who would not practice these like if you had high blood pressure if you were pregnant um, you would be skipping those breathing techniques mantra so to get out of this dorsal vagal tone this freeze response we're gonna want life affirming mantras that invoke messages of strength and resilience and power. We want messages to uplift our spirits. So these mantras, again, will help focus our mind on something other than the stories that keep us stuck. And it will have the benefit of opening you to a higher power. So you're opening to this grace that can help shift things inside of you. The vibration of sound will help to recalibrate or entrain the vibration of your own cells to help restore well-being. And if you're following a guided mantra that's accompanied by instruments, you will also find shift with that. So string instruments often really help open the heart. Uh, drumming could be really powerful if you're feeling this like stuck, hopeless sort of feeling. The drum will help connect you to your heartbeat, can help connect you to your life energy. Movement. Okay, you guys, movement. If you are stuck in this freeze mode, movement will be your best medicine and it will be the last thing you feel like doing. Um, dancing, sun salutations, vigorous kundalini kriyas will get your heart rate up and will help to lift that stagnant energy you're feeling shaking and cathartic movements, clapping and patting down the body will help restore your ventral vagal tone and it will help you to come back into your body because physiologically you are numbing your body and we want to get it you back into your body, get your heart rate coming back up and get you feeling your life again. Holding strong postures with intention 
will help remind you of your inner strength and resilience and it will help draw feeling and awareness back into your body. So it is really important that piece of intention, right? It's not enough just to hold, you know, you could be in a warrior pose and be like sulking there. It's like you are reaching through the arms, you are fierce, you are fired up and you are focused and you're coming back to life. Meditation and yoga nidra. So kind of the reverse of the last one that we covered. Um, when you're in the state, you're probably going to, you're going to feel like just like, I'm just going to lay on the floor. That's not what you need. First, I would start with moving meditations for you. Even if that's just a walking meditation or an asana practice. So a movement practice, linking the breath and movement, those will be most supportive if you're in this free state. Um, any meditation that focuses on bringing awareness back into your body is going to be rejuvenating for you. So remember that in this freeze state, the tendency is to dissociate or numb. So to restore wellness, we need to be embodied and start feeling again. Yoga Nidra, if you're looking for a guided practice, will be very, very effective at helping you feel more deeply and bring awareness back into your body and into your surroundings. So restoring ventral vagal dominance with yoga, just to summarize, diving into the various limbs of yoga can help us self-regulate. So no, it's not just stretching. You got to do it more than that uh, if you want to self-regulate. And it helps bring us back into a nervous system tone that promotes wellness, clarity, connection, renewal, and inspiration. So there are mantra and meditative practices, movement and breathing techniques that are highly effective at getting us out of survival states and back into states of renewal. And it's when we adopt a daily practice and show up with intention that we can effectively support ourselves in self-regulating to optimize well-being every day, even when the circumstances in our lives continue to change and surprise us. So part four, what becomes possible when we live from the biochemistry of creation and connection? <clears throat> so we start to live in the realm of possibility. And so we're gonna start to, shifting some things around with you. Um, with ventral vagal dominance, we begin to expand our vision and we increase our capacity for real connection. We restore our physical and mental health and step into the empowering role as a co-creator of our lives. Once we learn to shift the inner world using these yogic practices, then you can truly align your thoughts and words and actions with your wildest dream. And you can start to show up in your life on purpose instead of on autopilot. And I like this quote, stress is the trash of modern life. We all generate it. But if you don't dispose of it properly, it will pile up and overtake your life. So again, we're not looking to create a life with no stress. What we want to make sure that we are doing is managing that stress effectively every single day so it doesn't pile up and overtake our free will. So moving into possibility. Can you imagine feeling energetic and greeting the day with enthusiasm? Could you imagine holding your center when the world around you moves into chaos? Could you imagine getting clear on what matters and unapologetically saying no to the things that are not your top priorities? Could you imagine trusting yourself, valuing yourself and evolving into your full potential? Could you imagine restoring peace and appreciation in key relationships? Could you imagine being present and playful and patient with your kids or your spouse or your friends? Could you imagine rejoicing in your life? 
moving gratitude from just a thought to an actual embodied state. Could you imagine feeling peace and ease and inspiration and connection to the divine, even in your most ordinary moments? You guys, the sky is the limit. So the possibilities for your life are limited only by your imagination. Once we step out of this state of chronic stress, we step into a state of creation. What possibilities do you want to open to? What possibilities do you want to create? When you move into this biochemistry of creation, you will start to perceive the world in a whole new way. And you will start to understand your own creative possibilities in a whole new way. So here's what we've covered. We looked at why we are burning out. So what's happening in the world that's causing us to burn out and what's happening in our inner world. We're looking at what does it cost us to live like this? We looked at how yoga practices, specifically breath work, movement, mantra, and meditation can move us from survival to creation. And then we just looked at what becomes possible in this new state of being. So you might be like, awesome for all the information. Now what? Where do we go from here? So you've got a couple of options. Option one, take what I've shared with you today and take a stab at re revolutionizing your life on your own. See how you go, implement as best you can. Option two, if you want more guidance, join my Soul Medicine online community. I can lead you through these life-changing practices when you want, from where you want. I can help you figure out which practices will help you reach your individual goals and create content to support your needs and revolutionize your life.